I love that little intro tune. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Rainmakers Fantasy Golf Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers. Quick, if you're listening to this and you like fantasy golf, but you haven't gotten into Rainmakers yet, now I feel like is one of the best times to go get into the game. If you head over to our site, otmnft.com slash Rainmakers, you can take a look at the player's view and take a look at pricing across tiers. I really think it's probably one of the best times that I've seen pricing-wise to get into the game. Uh, we've got the Mexico Open coming up. We've got a lot of golf still in front of us, so a ton of time to use your portfolio. So if you haven't uh, taken the dive yet and are interested in Rainmakers, head on over there, take a look. We'd love to uh, chat with you guys about it, but I think it's one of the best times to get into the game. But first, of course, it's Monday, and you know what that means. We've got the recap and preview show. We're going to finalize our thoughts on the Zurich from over the weekend and look forward to the Mexico Open this week with another pretty heavy top fields uh, and a ton of middling options, which we'll get into. TJ's favorite golfer is in the field. And I mean, his price is just astronomical. So I'm interested to hear his takes. Uh, and with me as always on Monday is TJ. TJ, how was the weekend boss? Weekend was good. Always fun to have a little bit of a different spin on a PGA tour event with the partners. We get two young ish, I would say PGA golfers, 26 and 27 years old, Davis Riley and Nick Hardy getting their first career PGA tour wins. So uh, not, not often that two people are able to both get their first win on the same weekend. Obviously the partners format is unique in itself in that it allows that opportunity. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a fun event. I, I didn't honestly didn't watch too, too much of it. Watch the home stretch on Sunday was, was of course following the leaderboard. And uh, yeah, we had, uh, as we talked about last week, Cantlay and Xander as the massive massive favorites i think they still ended up finishing what in the top five yeah, t4 t4 so so right in the mix as expected and then we've got a similar setup coming up this weekend as you already alluded to with john rahm as a plus 280 to win which is just absolutely insane that might be the shortest odds i've ever seen i think i saw a tweet or you might even put it out earlier about the the there's someone in discord about three times when rahm has been like under plus 500 so we'll definitely dive into that but excited to touch on the zurich classic a bit here and then we have a, a you know one more i'd say week ish field event and then we get right into the wells fargo which is going to be a designated elevated event with all of the big names and then we're just a few short weeks away from the second major of the year in the pga championship so looking forward to all of that and as coops said, great time to get involved in rainmakers if you have not already, go ahead and sign up via the link here. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hammer that like button and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast feed, subscribe to the podcast as well. Yeah, well said on two young guys, their first PGA Tour win, huge win for Hardy and Davis Riley. They get the two-year exemption in a strange event. You know, I think in general, the team event is one of the weirder and more chaotic PGA Tour events. You have two rounds where you're not even playing every golf shot, but they were the definition of steady Eddie, 64, 66, 63, 65 to capture the win by two shots at minus 30 for the entire tournament. And yeah, really high scoring week, given the fact that you're taking best ball and, and you know, the PGA tour, I still think is interesting. They call it 
foursomes and four ball. And I still, I still never really get to like, yes, you're playing in fours, but you're absolutely only playing in twos. Your, your opponents really don't necessarily matter or care at all. Um, so I always think that's an interesting like language and linguistic thing when it comes to golf. But, um, everybody else seemed to have at least one round where they were call it average or even a little bit sub average subpar. Um, but you know, Hardy and Riley just get it done by being incredibly consistent throughout the Thursday, Friday rounds. They go low on the Saturday round where they're playing best ball. And then they shoot a 65 on Sunday. They birdie three or sorry, two out of the last three holes, the 16th, the 17th. And then the 18th is actually a par five. They only make a par there, but they still are good enough to win by two um, on their heels was Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler. Thought they played impeccable golf all the way until the back nine on Sunday uh, had led the tournament for the majority of it or were tied for the lead for the majority of it. And they were just playing stellar and couldn't put a back nine together where you're an alternate shot. You're, you know, it, it really does come down to making a couple shots here or there. If a putt goes in, it doesn't go in. They actually bogeyed two of the last three holes. They bogeyed 16 and 17, which essentially took them out of, out of contention, end up birdieing 18 for solo third. Um, but I thought those two guys played really well. Wyndham Clark, a good nugget from last week, continues to just be a massive, massive fantasy golf uh, you know, monster when it comes to scoring fantasy golf points. So I think that's really, really, really interesting. And, and we'll, keep, we'll be keeping an eye on. He's third in odds, I believe, this week for the Mexico Open. A little bit of a dip underneath Finau. So it's Rom, Finau, and then dips down to Wyndham. But I think he's been playing really good golf. And you know, let's see if he can continue. Uh, other guys that I want to mention, worth noting, uh, you know, the uh, the thumbnail of the show here, Homa and Morikawa. I mean, really, the only way to describe it is neither of their games are really sharp right now. Their recent form is certainly not anywhere near their top games. And when you're playing together, and you add that sort of mix of team chemistry, you kind of hope that you know someone brings it out of you and they just ultimately didn't get it done. Um, I, and, and, you know, they only missed the cut by two, they shoot eight under, uh, Thursday and Friday, but in general, from someone with their firepower in this field, you would think that they have a pretty good chance to, uh, not only make the cut, but contend and they just don't get it done this week. I, I think neither of them really think too much about this event, other than the fact that, you know, they've got more events to play and they need to sharpen their games ahead of the PGA championship, but it'll be interesting to watch them. Homa has been in a little bit of a slide for about a month now, um, compared to where he was in the California swing. So interested, any, any thoughts or takes on Homa and Morikawa from you? Yeah. In a, in a bit of a rut here for both of them. And it's not super shocking. I feel like they're both, while they're certainly two of have proven they're two of the best golfers in the world. They, they don't necessarily have the most consistency, I'd say, over the past couple of years, right? Like they're the type of guys that can come out and win any given tournament, but can also come out and, and miss the cut at any given tournament. So, you know, if anything, it, it's probably presents a bit of a buy low opportunity ahead of the upcoming majors. Colin Morikawa won the PGA, what, two, two or three years ago, right? So, Definitely both both guys that can go and show up and compete there. Agreed with everything you said about the Clark and Hostler duo. I know you had mentioned them, if not on this show last week, on the Wednesday show. 
as one of the the pairs that you were targeting thought that they were a great play coming into the week and were in great position to to win it on Sunday but just didn't didn't quite have the best Sunday but end up with that solo third place finish Taylor Moore is another guy that I feel like has been been playing some solid golf him and and your boy Matt Neesmith in T4 with the Xander and Cantlay crew and then uh just just two other pairs that that finished towards the top we talked about the Kim duo Siwoo Kim and Tom Kim they played solid throughout four solid rounds finishing T7 and then I thought one of the most fun pairs throughout the weekend was Keith Mitchell and Sanjay M a lot of fun interview stuff with them Keith Mitchell teaching Sanjay M what a, what a quarterback is in football uh converting him to to become a Georgia fan which I guess must be where, where Keith Mitchell went to college, I'm, I'm assuming. So I thought that, that was some some fun, uh, you know, off the course content stuff for the weekend, which which, again, like we, we need more of that in golf more. We talked about it before, more of that personality type of stuff. And so I, it seemed like Keith Mitchell and Sanjay M were having a good time out there and they were very much in position to contend, but went out and shot even par on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, th- those were just kind of some of the groups at at the top and some of the storylines that stuck out to me. And yeah, fun fun weekend, but definitely looking forward to getting back to some more quote unquote normal golf. And I, we were looking at the schedule. This is basically the final like wonky event of the year. It's really just the match play and the partners that that to me are distinctly different from any of the other tournaments for the most part. The rest of the way, we'll see your traditional full field top 65 and ties cut type of tournament. And then we'll of course get into the FedEx playoffs and all of that towards the end of the season. So yeah, I think those kind of summarizes my, my thoughts on a fun weekend of partners golf. Yeah. Great call out on Sanjay and uh, Keith Mitchell. I thought the funniest interview that they did was when the interviewer asked Sanjay, if you would ever think about wearing the visor, of course, of course, Keith Mitchell rocks the visor. Sanjay had no idea what the word visor meant at first. And Keith kind of pointed to his hat and Sanjay just kind of shook his head. Like not, not for me, not for me, which which I thought was hilarious. Uh, I think it's very easy to forget that Sanjay M is only 25 years old he's been on tour for five years he's got two wins he's an elite talent and man on a week when he rolls the rock he's going to be in contention because he just strikes it so so good so uh just another reminder of how much young talent young talent is on the pga tour because you don't think of sunjay as one of the young guys but he's only 25 years old out there uh and pretty much you know it has been up up near the the bot or sorry up near the top of the leaderboard a lot more than he's been near the bottom of the leaderboard for somebody who's only 25 years old that that is true and it's it's also like i mean i feel like sun jm plays a lot of events too so he's got like 10 years of experience in his 5 years because i, I feel like he's a guy that just like you know for the most part he's out there playing every week just loves the game of golf and uh, get, gets a lot of rounds in plays a lot of different events and like you said has had a, a bunch of success and is just a a fun player on tour and yeah I, I liked liked that dynamic again see a little bit of the personalities and uh I didn't hadn't seen the visor thing that's pretty funny I like that a lot 
Yeah, it was it was hysterical. Just the interaction between the two were great. And yes, you're you're right. Um, Mitchell is a, a Georgia grad, so he's a bulldog. Uh, obviously, Georgia's had an incredible run in college football. So all of the Georgia Bulldogs coming out to rock uh, rock their squad in their university uh, these days. Uh, two other things on the Zurich before we put a cap on it. Uh, worth noting: Xander and Cantlay. Their Thursday was just an abomination. If you're someone that bet them, captained them, you're looking at their Thursday thinking, wow, they're they're sort of way behind. And they, they weren't really too far behind. But in the Zurich, when you've got alternate shot on the heels of best ball on Thursday, you're hoping that someone's at eight, nine under probably. That's kind of the target that I was thinking about. If you If you hit eight under, you felt pretty comfortable about going into Thursday knowing you didn't need to go super low. Uh, I believe Xander and Cantley were six under. Um, and didn't play great. So you kind of felt like, wow, they didn't play great. And they're six under, they could definitely make a run. And of course they do. So on Friday, they shoot a tournament record, low score, 69, uh, sorry, 63 minus nine with a bogey, an alternate shot. Um, and they went into the re- weekend. They continued to roll. They played well, just not well enough to get a victory. Uh, but you know, if they shoot a little bit better on Thursday, they're probably right in contention to win this thing. So they continue to be, a team to uh, look out for. And I bet they continue to play the Zurich together. It's just a pretty interesting duo and uh, nice gamesmanship between them. They seem to like it. Um, and when you get guys of that caliber of golf that like playing together and they have an opportunity to, it kind of just makes all the sense in the world to do that. Uh, yeah. They finished T four and then, you know, they shot a tournament record low score on Friday in, in alternate shot. And then Hadwin and Nick Taylor, Go and make an incredible run. The Canadian on duo. Sunday. Yeah, the, the Canucks uh, make an incredible run on Sunday. I think they, I actually don't, I don't have the the, the leaderboard of their score. They shot a 63 them. as they well. Shot a so 63. They must have tied Xander and Cantlay. Yeah, they tied them, but I believe they, they made seven birdies in a row, I believe, was what I had had heard on the uh, on the broadcast. I was a little bit in dad mode this weekend, so I wasn't watching as much golf correct. on the weekend. I'm looking at the scorecard now. They birdied hole seven through hole 13, seven yeah. in a row, seven birdies in a row in alternate shot is just an incredible feat. So an awesome, and they posted uh, a minus 28. They were sort of the first in the clubhouse with that score. Um, and then of course got chased down by, uh, by Hardy and Riley, but an incredible Sunday finish for them. If you were someone that was holding them in your fantasy lineup, you were loving uh, the run that they were on. They were also bogey free. So they picked up just about every fantasy point that you could pick up on Sunday. So they, they helped you run up the leaderboard for sure. Uh, Quick couple of notes on on cash lines and shout out Barrick. I actually didn't get a chance to pull the cash lines, but he's over there in the Jolly Jokers Discord doing all the things in the Rainmakers PGA channel. So shout out him. Uh, cash lines for the guaranteed contest, 25K guaranteed core was 615. 35K guaranteed rare was 598 and the 75K guaranteed elite was 617. So rare cash line, uh, even a little lower than the elite cash line. So that's interesting there. Um, But also as we continue to see some significant decreases in cash line, when you look at the prize pack party, which to me this week was kind of a week where you were saying I'm playing one of two contests. I'm playing guaranteed or I'm playing, you know, guaranteed plus pack party uh, with some of the lineups that were just kind of like leftover cards, if you will, cash lines for the pack parties across the three tiers, 
core pack party was 549.75. Rare pack party was 514. Elite pack party was 501.5. Worth noting for Mexico, it seems like core pack party, the number of packs has increased and everyone was very keen on looking at, there was a substantial decrease in the number of packs being given out for the rare and the elite contests this week for the Mexico open. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday's show, but I think you see a ton of people jamming most every lineup that they have in the, the guaranteed contest, just trying to get lucky. I think this also is a field where if you're holding a John Rom, or even if you're just holding a Tony Finau, um, you know, your, your lineup in your cards and your collection look pretty good. There's probably a ton of middling options that you have there's a ton of options, even at the bottom of the board that played, have played pretty well over the course of the last couple of weeks. That certainly could be in a five card winning lineup, um, things like that. So you're, you're probably looking at your collection. If you're holding any of the top three guys, Rom, Finau, Wyndham Clark, you're probably looking at your collection thinking, Hey, I, I can make a pretty sound team and a case for my team, you know, running up the leaderboard in these guaranteed contests to kind of, uh, to secure one of those top prizes. So I think you see a ton of teams in the guaranteed contest this week. We will see and dive into contest selection a little bit more, like I said, on the Wednesday show, but you know, I think we we've already sort of covered it to open my thoughts on the Mexico open. It's pretty much all I, I got two, two, uh, two final Zurich thoughts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hit, hit us, hit us move on. So f- first one is just, I was thinking, and I think I saw someone say this on Twitter. It'd be fun if they made this a designated event in the future. I feel like a partner's tournament with all of the big guns playing would be, would be pretty cool. So that just, just wanted to kind of, throw that out into the universe not sure if they would ever do that but i I do think that that would would be pretty fun to see like you know the roms and the rory's and the shefflers like partnering up with some other people and and playing some best ball and an alternate shot and then the other was and this is a good i think transition into the, the upcoming mexico open tournament is just looking at the otm website and the market page you can see the the top people or top cards in volume right now are largely a combination of the people that did well this past week. And then the, the finals and the ROMs, as you just said, that are coming up for this week. So you've got Davis Riley's booster at the top of the 24 hour volume with 38 transactions in the last 24 hours. So pretty, pretty significant stuff there. Also the price is up 20 or uh, 49% in the last 24 hours. I thought that that was pretty big. And then you've got the Tony Finau booster, the John Rom booster, a couple others mixed in there, but you see Wyndham Clark up there, who's both relevant from last week and this week. So I uh, just wanted to also mention those of, because uh, I, I, I was a little bit surprised to see Riley at, at the top. I mean, to me, it's just like a, a relevancy thing, right? There's probably a lot of people out there playing Rainmakers that maybe didn't even know who Davis Riley is prior to Sunday. And then they're in contention in the tournament. They end up winning the tournament. They find out it's a you know a young pro with their first win on tour. People going out and 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 making those purchases. So I I just found that to be a bit a bit curious to see. And again, just shows that if we're getting ahead of things and kind of reacting to the market prior to some of this information getting getting more mainstream and getting more public, like you can can definitely make some marketplace flips and plays there. So. 
whether that's the t- ongoing tournament and identifying that, hey, these people are, are doing well, they're going to be around come Sunday. People are going to be looking to buy them on the marketplace as well as, as we've said many times, staying one to two weeks ahead and identifying this time last week, hey, John Rahm and Tony Finau are going to be massive favorites in this next upcoming tournament. People aren't going to realize that until next week. So I'm going to go ahead, buy those up and, and, you know, react accordingly. So just, just two marketplace tidbits. And I think that's kind of a nice transition into the field that we have for this coming Mexico open. I guess I'll just kind of kick it off. We, we've already alluded to it like five times, but you've got John Rahm at the top of the board with plus 280 odds. You then have Tony Finau also with extremely short odds at plus 750. And then you've got Wyndham Clark at plus 1800. And then, then you kind of get into this, as you said, middling group where there's a bunch of golfers between plus 2000 and plus 5,000. And uh, yeah, definitely a unique field construction where there's a clear, clear, clear top two that are head and shoulders above the rest of the field. And then from there, you know, you, you can really go a variety of different directions in terms of who you're going to be filling out your lineups with. And, you know, if, if Rahm or Finau does not win this weekend, it, it could be just about anybody from the rest of the field. Yeah, great call. I think this is the kind of week where you look at your collection, you take a look at odds, and you take a look at the guys around the people you have in your collection, and you can make a case for a lot of people. Uh, Guys like Aaron Rye. Uh, I've talked about Aaron on the show before he he's been really, really hot. It's like a question of, can he put four, four rounds together? Uh, guys that we liked last week, Benny on is up there, uh, t- more towards the top of the board. I, I like Benny on. He's made a lot of cuts recently. Patrick Rogers, Gary Woodland, um, even come down a little bit further. I've talked a lot about, uh, Dylan Wu. I like Dylan Wu. He's even way further down in the odds board, more covered. I think it's the kind of week where you look at your collection and you're, you're pretty pumped about it. And if you have a stand on a guy who's even deeper in the odds, you know, someone that's plus 10,000, when you look at this middling range and, and when you look at 2,500 to, to 9K, you're kind of like, well, this guy's 12, you know, 12,000, but I think he can beat half of these guys. And that's kind of all you really need them to do. You need, you really got a, a, a really fun event where it's full field. You're going to get two sweats out of this thing. You're going to get the Friday cut sweat where you don't really care exact the position of your golfers. You just want as many of your golfers as possible to be making the, the cut sweat, uh, getting to the weekend. And if they get to the weekend, then it's all about running up the board, you know, how your captain performs against other captains, where there's some ownership leverage, things like that. This is the kind of week where in traditional DFS, I would be fading just about anybody that's not named John Rahm, who's going to garner a lot of ownership because it's just the game theory of, uh, if that guy misses the cut, I have an edge on someone that, you know, at 30% of the field, or, you know, if someone even gets anywhere near 50% of the field, I haven't looked at pricing, but typically pricing dictates ownership here and these kind of events. So it's easier to kind of make a stance and just fade some of those guys that are quote unquote chalky. So if you're hearing, if we're hearing anything rainmakers wise, well, where they're going to see some chalk, which I don't really anticipate too much of besides Ron Rom and Finau. Um, but that's where I'd be making some stands and trying to, to trying to go to the bottom of the board and try to make some other other plays. I was actually just checking out the DFS pricing and you have Rom at 12k, Finau at 10,700 
And then those are the only two guys that are priced above 10,000, which a is appropriate B as I know this is not a DFS show, but as insane as a $12,000 price tag is like Rom's still probably worth it in this field. And yeah, from a rainmaker standpoint, I, I mean, to me, it, it does seem likely that both Rom and female female will be in the winning lineup. That's just kind of my guess because people are obviously going to play them. They're going to play them with a variety of different combinations. And even if one of them doesn't win, like it's just so likely that they're going to score top five in DraftKings points. Even again, even if they don't win, right? Like Rom or Finau could finish T eight, but like still be third in DraftKings points because they're going to make a bunch of birdies and, and all of that. So for sure, obviously if you own them in your collection, hammer them into the lineup, play them together too. So I have a, I have a rare fee now and a ROM core. So what I'll end up doing is, is probably just putting fee now in my captain spot as my rare, putting ROM core regular, and then, and then fitting three pieces around them. You know, maybe, maybe some, mega game theory bros would say don't play Ram and Finau together because they're going to be so highly owned as a duo. Yes, they will be, but like, I just, I do feel pretty strongly that, that they're going to end up, uh, they're going to end up in the top 10 when it's all said and done just because that skill gap is, is so wide. And, and yes, anything can happen in golf. The, the tweet I referenced earlier, the one tournament Ram was like plus 500 and missed the cut. So like, can that happen? Yes, it, it, it can. But, uh, you know, in Rainmakers, you have them, you're jamming them into your collection. You mentioned Benny on definitely a big fan of his in general and somebody that I like in kind of that mid range this week. And also just just sort of sifting through like beyond plus 5000. There's still tons of names out there that that, you know, can can do well. You've got. Guys like Mark Hubbard, Matt Wallace, uh, Luke List, who can never putt, but like always, always seems to to catch my eye. Joseph also, Bramlett, who I also know played, played well. Before. Luke List also played well this yeah. past week. Played great. A you know, l- little week. bit of like uh, fire in a bottle kind of thing, catching catching fire when you can. So maybe it's all confidence. Golf is such a mental game. Uh, so I think Luke List is someone that you know if he's gonna if he's gonna be in your team, you have a lot to a lot to like about someone who has his upside. Yeah. And, and we don't, we don't, we basically don't have any course history. Like this is the only, I think this is the only second year that they've had this tournament, right? So there's no real course history. Oh, I just looked at last year's results. Yeah. Right. Rom got first and Finau got T2. Is that? Yeah. Rom, Rom was, Rom was the winner from last year. So yeah, I think Finau that's, too. Yeah. that also plays a little bit, you know, a Rom's Spanish heritage. I think it also plays into the fact that why he's here, he's, he's defending his, he's defending his title from last year. You know, a lot of people, you know, why is Rom, what, what events is Rom playing? Why is he playing this event? You know, I think he, that, that goes to show or goes into, into that decision there a little bit. Um, but yeah, clearly course history, when course history, when we don't have a ton of course history, you kind of just go to recent form yeah. and you know, you just rely on recent form. So guys that are playing well um, recently is where I'd be targeting. And, and to me, I think what I've come to realize in pretty much all of golf fantasy, fantasy golf is it's a very hard game. It is very difficult to get to the top of these leaderboards. There's absolutely no reason to make it harder 
and be thinking, well, let me fade Rom or let me not play Rom and Finau together when they're clearly two of the best guys and you need five golfers. Let's just be honest. You're going to need five guys through the cut and multiple guys, three plus guys in, in the top 10 to win this thing, to take down the top prize. So you might as well just lock in the best odds with Rom and Finau and you'll find yourself getting different or getting on other plays that people are definitely not going to be on, or at least not going to be on in a chalky, chalky way for the other three spots. Um, shout out Sergeant Stogie talked a little bit about questioning this past week for the Zurich. Should you play the top five odds? He had the ability to play the top five odds in the core contests. And then it was duped. I think in 10,000 plus lineups, it was duped like 22 times, which is actually more than I thought it would ever be duped. Um, so it ended up being that you probably should have got different at no spot number five and played the the fifth ranked guys. I think it might've been Sunjay M or somebody like that um, in, in a new lineup. But in general, this field is not the same as last field and you had partners last week. So this field, I think you will not see that many dupes. And if you do, it's based on pure luck, not based on, you know, odds because you can kind of click just about anybody below Finau and Rom. And I think start to get yourself different than a lot of other people are thinking. Yeah, I think outside of the top two, there there won't be a ton of consensus in terms of who the quote-unquote best plays are. And that's one of the fun things about golf, and particularly one of the thing, fun things about the Rainmakers format for golf is each tournament, while, while the roster construction is the same, the game is totally different, right? Because, you know, playing the top two guys in this field when they're plus 280 and plus 750 is going to be a lot different than, you know, the next major comes around, right? And, and and the top two guys, yes, they're still the best two guys, but they're going to be a lot closer to the top 15 because you just have a lot more or a lot tighter of a gap in terms of the skill between the top guys and the bottom guys. And, you know, golf is, is not really a fantasy sport where you talk about floor so much because th there really is not much of a floor in golf. but if ever there was a, a high floor play, it's John Rahm and Tony Fee now in this field. So I'll definitely be locking the two of them into my main lineup. And then, as you said, look to get different from there. Find one, two, three spots where get a little bit of leverage against the field. And, and, and that's where I'm going to be looking, you know, in that kind of plus 5,000 range uh, and, and you know i'll probably go rom now and then you know skip the next 10 or so golfers on the board just to to make sure that i do think i'm getting some differentiation there and then pair them with three guys in that more plus five thousand to plus 75 uh type of type of range and um yeah it should be should be a, a fun a fun one. And then we get right back into elevated events and, and start to look up towards the next major, which is going to be the PGA championship in May. All right. A couple other things before we hold TJ's feet to the fire and get a winning pick from him, because the guy's just been scorching hot and we'll see if he's going to go back to old faithful at the top of the board. We'll see if that's where it goes. A couple things to note. One DraftKings just announced right before our show started, they're launching for this week, a portfolio gated contest. So I'll have more details on this on Wednesday, but in addition to the contests that are in the lobby Right now, there will be two other portfolio gated contests, and it looks like 
you need to hold at least one of the golfer cards from last year's top five finishers at the Mexico Open, which could have a little bit to do with why they're pumping in the marketplace. But one of John Rahm, Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama, Brandon Wu, and Davis Riley to get into those uh, two contests. Looks like they're giving away um, a VIP package to it plus travel and accommodations to what looks like the colonial event. So the Charles Schwab challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. So pretty interesting stuff. I love that DraftKings kind of pulls out their card here where they have the ability to provide sort of these VIP experiences. So to me, this is like one of those bonus perks that yeah, rainmakers, you're trying to play for cash. You want to, you want to ultimately make money on this endeavor, but here's an opportunity to get, you know, a VIP experience that kind of money probably can't really buy. Um, so I think there's some interesting angles to uh, this rare tier. What contests are we playing and, and where are we putting uh, how, how do you hold this kind of events in terms of, you know, price and getting access to doing something pretty cool on the golf schedule? So we'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday, but also on Wednesday show, we talked about Keith Mitchell teaching Sanjay M a little bit about football. I'm going to have with me one of the best DFS football players in the entire industry, our own, of course, Mr. Justin Herzig on the show with me. We're going to do kind of a half golf, half Rainmakers football type show. He's already diving in to Rainmakers football. We're starting to look into that. So for those of you that were out there in the rookie debut drop, we're going to have Justin on, get his takes and thoughts ahead of the draft and some other thoughts that he has on the Rainmakers product in totality. So we'll have Justin on the latter half of the show on Wednesday. So you will not want to miss that. I'll make all my picks and my lineups together on Wednesday, but we only have TJ once a week. So we're holding his feet to the fire here. TJ been pretty hot as of late. Give us the winner of the Mexico open in 2023. I mean, I'm going to go boring here because he he's, he's my guy, but I, I I'm, you know, outright winner, John Rahm for sure. Lock it in from a Rainmakers and DFS perspective. I would not bet him at plus 280. It's just, it's just not enough, not enough juice there. But uh, I, I'm going to go with Rama as the winner pick. However, I'll give, I'll give two more long shots that that I like. Uh, again, both for Rainmakers DFS and and also more so for outright winner picks. Two guys that are both sitting at the 50 to one number, or at least right around there. We've got Ben Martin, who's who's been in in really good form over the past couple of weeks here. Let's see. I just had his recent performance up. Yeah. So he's made five straight cuts at T41, T10, T8, and then a T45, T54. So just playing, playing some, some solid golf. He's actually made even cuts beyond that one, two. He's made seven straight cuts. So really like, uh, like his recent form there also from a underlying stats standpoint, he's, sixth in this field and strokes gain total and seventh ball striking, including fourth on approach. So someone that's just hitting the ball really well. And, and I like for this weekend. And then right in that same kind of range, Alex Smalley is, is another guy that I'm looking at. Uh, he did play in this event last year and got T six. He's coming off of two missed cuts. So maybe a little bit sneaky in terms of people looking at recent form, but another good young golfer 
13th in the field, T to green, ball striker, uh, you know, my classic kind of profiles of, of guys that hit the ball really well, but can be very questionable with the putter. But uh, especially in these long shot fields, I like to to take some cracks at those guys. So John Rahm as the outright winner, all things considered. But for those of us looking for a bit more of a long shot, check out Ben Martin and Alex Smalley at, at right around 50 to one, depending on what book you're looking at think that's a, a spicy little outright to put on and then two guys that i'm going to be looking at in dfs lineups as well they're in that like mid 8k pricing range on DraftKings. you heard it the man is pretty hot so it's hard to go against his takes appropriately he's getting some snoozer type comments from the uh the youtube crowd for going at the top of the board john rom but Boy, it's hard, hard, hard to not pick John Rom here. Tune in on Wednesday. I'll have picks that are not John Rom because everyone and their mother is going to be picking John to win this tournament. But tune in on Wednesday for more information on my lineups, my picks, who else I like. Of course, the Tuesday strategy article will be up. I always highlight three golfers from the different odds, tiers, top tier, middle odds, and long shots that I like in this field based on some data. Try to keep it as short and crisp of a read as possible. Have been pretty good there as of late. So uh, Benny on was my call out last week and he uh, moved up the leaderboard pretty nicely. So been pretty good as of late there. So check that out. But otherwise, you heard it here on the Monday recap and preview show. So that will do it for myself and for TJ. Talk to you guys all on Wednesday and have a great weekend of golf.